0: How many of you remember? Uh, oh, I don't know if it was a commercial. Maybe it was. Maybe it was for Staples or something. But they had an easy button. In fact, uh, uh, today's message is called "Out of Control." But get to get to the easy button, Tammy, if you can, just for a moment. Do you wish you had an easy button? Do you remember what the campaign was about? Every time there was a problem, all you had to do was push the button and all your troubles went away. With every tough situation, you can hit that button and make it easy. You got trouble in your marriage? Hit the button, right? You got problems with your finances? Hit the easy button. You got issues at work? Hit the easy button. Frustrated in your parenting? Hit the easy button. Got a flat tire, Bob, on the way to work? All you have to do is hit the easy button. Somebody comes and makes it all go away or makes it all right. Or surgery, where's Ryan? Surgery in the future, all you got to do is hit the easy button and it's already taken care of and you don't have to go through it, right? Whether it's physical Emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual problems, issues, dysfunction doesn't go away just because you hit an easy button. Are you with me on that? Yeah, yeah, you you turn to your neighbor and say, that's right. That's exactly how it is. There are tough situations in our life. In today's text, we are going to meet some men who are out of control and they don't have an easy button. They do not. They're going to be possessed by demons, okay? And uh, there's no easy button around. So let me set the scene from last week. Remember, there was this furious squall, the actual word we get hurricane from. Remember, the Sea of Galilee is 685 feet below sea level. The surrounding mountains, in fact, Tammy, can you throw the next slide up? Let me, no, not that one, uh... That one. We'll stop here for just a second. 685 feet below sea level. These cliffs and rocks, even though it doesn't look like it, they rise to over 2,000 feet at the highest. So Go to the next slide. I'll just show you what it, it looks like. So these guys are going to come into this area right here. And as you can see, it's high terrain. That wind comes, that hot wind comes off of the desert, swoops down and creates this vicious hurricane-like storm. And remember what happened? The guys are in the boat. Jesus is asleep. They go and wake up Jesus and say, don't you, don't you care about us? We're perishing. Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind. He just says, stop. And all of a sudden, the whole sea is calm and the guys start freaking out, right? They're like, who is this guy? that can control and command the weather. They've never seen it. So that's the setting. Now they're going to arrive in this area. Now you see all these rocks and cliffs? The locals made their tombs there. That's where the graveyard was. They would bore into those cliffs, uh, 20 square feet in there with little recesses. They put all their dead bodies in there. And they're going to come... And it's almost like a Halloween. I know we're right on top of Halloween. It's almost like a Halloween uh, movie because it's about midnight when they get to this side of the lake. The tombs are there. The graveyards are there. And the disciples start hearing these wild screeching sounds, moaning, uh, growls, the rattling of chains. It's, it's, it's like a, a horror movie. And suddenly, out... Of the tombs run now. Matthew lets us know that there were two people that were demon possessed. The parallel passages they only focus on the guy that speaks, and the other ones they they mention one, but there's two. They've got chains that they have broken on them, and one of them we know is naked. So imagine this naked man with chains screaming, screaming, and screeching, yelling, and running towards Jesus. That's kind of weird. Running towards Jesus, these men are bruised; they're bloody. They have taken uh, rocks and they have tried to slit their wrists. They're suicidal. They've also terrorized this these towns that are around here, this area. These guys are out of control. Now, let's turn to Matthew chapter eight and let's look at our text going to begin at verse 28. It says this, and when he came to the other side, so it's about midnight, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. Have you ever been walking in a major street uh, or in a major town and you've seen people that are out of it? And they're talking to themselves, and they're dirty, and, and they haven't showered, and, and they smell really bad, and, and they're just talking to these imaginary people, you, you've got the idea of what they're coming against. So fierce that no one could pass that way. Verse 29, and behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O son of God? Have you come, to, have you come here to torment us before the time? Verse 30 Now a herd of pigs was feeding at some distance away from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea. uh, Can you go back to the other side? Uh, The one that showed the cliffs? Yeah, uh, the next one. Just, yeah, just leave it there for a second. These pigs are in this area, and he sends the demons into the pigs. The pigs go crazy, and they rush out into the water and basically die. Verse 33, they drowned in the waters. The herdsmen, the people that are in charge of the pigs at night, they fled, going into the city. They told everything, especially what happened to the demon-possessed men. Verse 34, and behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. They didn't want to have anything to do with this craziness. Well, let's go back to the verse 28 again. Verse 28 says this, He came to the side of the country of the uh, Gadarenes, Two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tomb so fierce that no one could pass that way. Here's the first fill in the blank. Unclean men. Unclean men. They're they're demon-possessed. Now, we've talked about uh, demon-possessed people before. Let let me hit just the the descriptives, the attributes of somebody that is demon-possessed. By the way, the Bible does not make a difference between demon-possession or demon opposition, or oppression, it's just kind of weird. They it just kind of throws it out there that these guys were demon possessed. First one uh, uh, that if you're demon possessed, you're often naked. You have a total disregard for yourself. Um, you're in isolation. You're you're destructive. Uh, you're destructive to other people. You're destructive to yourself. Uh, you you live in isolation uh, like. I said, those people that are are uh, walking on the street that look homeless, that they're just they're not in community, they're just out of their heads. Uh, oftentimes, people that are possessed by a demon retreat to simple shelters, like a cave or a grove where they can get some shelter. Demons also recognize quickly, immediately the deity of Jesus, automatically. They shout a lot, they scream a lot, they're and, and you've seen some of that in those major cities where they're just, there's a, you go, oh, that's mental illness. Well, it may be mental illness, but it might have been brought on by demon possession too. You just don't know. And we're not here to to di- dissect that thought. Um, they have extraordinary strength. You've heard about when Uh, A car falls on an individual and the mom comes out and sees the boy underneath the car that she has superhuman strength and moves the car and saves the child. Those events are real. They do happen. These demon-possessed men have extraordinary strength that they can break the chains that they've been shackled with to a boulder or a rock or wherever they were. And they're suicidal and they're homicidal. So, when a demon-possessed person is out of control and they're in bondage, um, they have these attributes, but l- let me get to where I need to go. You don't have to be demon-possessed to have those attributes. Are you with me on that? You, people don't have to be demon-possessed or oppressed to be in bondage or out of control. People can be in bondage to their own sinful nature. Did you know that? they can be in bondage to their own dysfunction they can be in bondage what we call stinking thinking right the truth isn't important to them but what is is their self preservation their coping mechanisms how many of you guys have healthy coping coping mechanisms sometimes some of how many of us have some maybe unhealthy cope yeah yeah sometimes and and so we can be in bondage to those kinds of things. You can be in bondage to a lie. You can be in bondage to a worldly philosophy. You can be in bondage to cultural pressure, to group think, to mob mentality, and even though people aren't demon possessed, they're still in bondage, and they still have many of these same attributes. Like the men in, in, in our text, they hurt themselves. Do you know other people that sabotage their own life, that hurt themselves? I do. They make bad decisions, and they bring on grief upon themselves. Even though they know they're making bad decisions, they feel like that's the only decision that they can make, and so they're going to go ahead and make it. Or the men in our text have nothing, because they can't hold on, they can't be responsible. They didn't have any value, self-worth, self-respect. Do you know some people that have very, very low self-worth, self-respect, that they are really dysfunctional, out of control? Uh, you know, we see it in the kids, but we now see it in adults. We see it in the millennials. We see it in older people. And we think, why don't they know better? It's because they're in bondage. They have invisible chains, don't they? They, they are stuck. A lot of people... Have emotional pain, psychological pain, mental pain. Have, do you have that kind of pain? Then you are in that kind of bondage as well. Some people feel broken and they don't have any value, and so it's okay that people take advantage of them. It's okay that that they don't succeed and try to get ahead. It's okay. Other attributes of being in bondage is being bitter or being out of control unable to even communicate and and talk about what you're feeling inside or just being in isolation isolation people in general especially those outside of a relationship with Christ we do a good job of living in our flesh we don't need anyone to be possessed because we're destroying ourselves on our own do you think our culture is a little that way right now in general we're destroying ourselves aren't we incivility Uh, identity politics, labeling everybody and not seeing the person, but seeing a label that we can hate or love because we love it because that label's my label too and therefore we can love you. No. We can be in bondage to sin, bondage to selfishness, bondage to sinful thinking, greed, materialism, idolatry, moral relativism. We can be addicted to that. Pride, laziness, political correctness, that can be something that that you're in bondage to. Caving to the culture, compromising your convictions, killing our unborn children to the idol of sexual promiscuity. There's lots of things that we can be in bondage to. And these guys were in bondage. Don't get me wrong, they were in bondage. So let's go back to the text. Verse 29 says, and behold, they cried out, what have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Here's the next fill in the blank, unclean spirits. Now, in another text, in the parallel text, Jesus says, what's your name? The man that speaks says, my name is Legion. Doesn't use the man's natural voice. The demon takes possession of the man's vocal cords and he says, my name is Legion. You know how many men are in a legion, a, a Roman army back then, two, uh, 2,000 years ago? 6,000 demons. So here is Jesus up against an army of demons. I want you to get the bigness of that. You know, when Jesus was out in the wilderness, he he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights and he had to go... How many rounds with Satan? And Satan could not defeat him. Now Jesus is up against six, the odds are 6,000 to one. How you like those odds? 6,000 demons to Jesus. And what is Jesus going to do? He's just going to say, "Pooh, go. And they're going to have to go. Jesus has authority over the physical realm. He has authority over the spiritual realm. Unclean spirits, unclean tombs. Unclean people, unclean pigs. He is in charge. You're out of control, he's in control. That's good, right? That is good. So, what happens? Let's go back to the text. Let's repeat ourselves here. Now, a herd of, of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. So, they're maybe a mile away. I don't know. The demons know the pigs are there, some distance from them. And the demons begged him saying, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he, that is Jesus, said, go. And so they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. And the herdsmen fled, going into the city. They told everything, especially what happened to the demon-possessed man. The fact that the, the, now these herdsmen aren't there on the beach, you know they're they're with the herd but they can probably see what's going on and suddenly Jesus says the word the demons go into the pigs the pigs just just like they do to you or to a person out of control out of control out of control they rush down into the sea and die that was visual proof physical proof because these guys come in and they see the the guys that were out of control now they're clothed they're in their right mind and they're conversing with Jesus and they're like I got it one plus one is two demon possessed men no longer demon possessed pigs now drowned in the sea proof of what Jesus just did so what do they do they, they run into town remember what time it is it's midnight they wake up the owners is 2,000 pigs a lot of money? that's a lot of money so if you're the herdsman, you're not. That, those aren't your pigs. They're somebody else's pigs. Should you wait till morning to tell your boss that his his whole livelihood, all of his wealth is gone? No, you're going to go to his house and you're going to knock on the door and wake him up and say, "Guess what? Uh, this guy came over. This guy named Jesus. He 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 sent these demons into your into your pigs, and your pigs are gone." And the whole, it, it disrupts the whole town. The whole town is up at midnight, and they're like. Okay, this sounds like a tall tale. Sounds like you just lost some of the swine and you're now blaming this guy named Jesus. We're going to go investigate ourselves. And the whole town goes out to see Jesus to find out if what they've been told is true. Now, look at the last verse. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. All the city came out. And when they saw him, What does your version say? They begged him to leave their region. Get out of here. Here's the last fill in the blank. Uncomfortable people. Unclean men, unclean spirits, unclean pigs, and now we have some very uncomfortable people. Why? Why would they send away this guy that healed these two guys. They must have been from the area. They knew them. Oh, that's George. That's John. Yeah, now they're in their right mind. Now they can go back to their families. Yeah, now they can go back to work. Now they can go live a a decent life again. They're not excited about that. Their eyes are more concerned about the guy who took on an army of demons and won. They're a little freaked out. I don't know if, if this is a good thing or a bad thing because, man, When this guy, Jesus, shows up, things change. In fact, look at the very next slide. If Jesus stays around, what else will change? That's their question. If Jesus is going to stay out with you, going to hang out with you, what is going to change in your life? Well, that's not so easy. Some of the the townspeople were hitting the not-so-easy button. Jesus is here. What else is he going to do? And some of them were hitting the panic button. Hey, we just lost our entire wealth because of this guy. What else is he going to do if he sticks around? What else? What crazy thing will happen in my life if I let Jesus stick around? i Am going to have to love a black man? Am I going to have to pick beets or pecans with with a migrant worker? Am I going to have to love my enemies? Am I going to have to Care for the needy that are surrounding me in my neighborhood? If I let Jesus into my life, how is that going to change me? And I don't know if I want to change that much. I mean, I like a little bit of Jesus, but if I get so much Jesus that he comes in and starts changing me, that I lose all my pigs. I don't know if I want that. That's where these guys were at. If Jesus did that to those pigs, he's going to do that to my pigs. I want to hold on to my unclean things. Jesus is that crazy variable that makes me uncomfortable because Jesus always changes the status quo. You cannot invite Jesus into your life and think that your life's going to stay the same. Not if you've really invited him in. See, these guys knew the, the power of the, the demon possessed men, and that, that they, they tried to control them with the chains. And here's this guy that just says a word and takes on a whole army? Ooh, I don't know. You see, we're often scared of the things that we can't control. Can I say that again? We're often scared of the things that we can't control. And Jesus is the one who is totally in control. Am I right? He is. So if he is in your life, it's going to be his way. At least if you're yielded to him. When Jesus sets you free He begins to transform the person that you are on that day to the kind of person that you're supposed to be, that God dreamt you to be. He transforms life. Things begin to change. Your activities begin to change. Your lifestyle begins to change. Your priorities in life begin to change. Your ambitions, your goals, your purposes, your attitudes begin to change. So you're going to have to lose some of the pigs they can't stay in your life those unclean things that you keep and let me tell you, we all keep some pigs they're all in the closet at home we have some pigs in our lives we do bitterness selfishness discontentment outburst of anger where you go along, you go along, you go along and you're a volcano, you're a volcano, you're a volcano and then boom! That's a pig. That pig has to leave your house. Can't stay in. Pride, jealousy, Uh, pettiness. None of you have ever been petty, right? You know where my hands are? I can't raise my hand. I've been petty before. I get petty when I get in my car. I get petty when I go to Walmart and I see weird people and they do the craziest things. You're driving your cart and the lady in front of you just stops and then you accidentally have to run into your wife in order not to run into her, right? And you just go, what's wrong with people? Well, that's a pig of mine. That I hold people to a certain standard but not to myself. Do you understand that? Are you with me on that? That you hold people to a certain standard but you don't hold yourself to that same standard? Wait a second. That's a pig in my life that I have to deal with. How about isolation? That's a pig. Self-worth driven by worldly measures. Size of your wallet, right? Size of your clothes, right? Size of your house. What other the things that we measure our self-worth by? Oh, how many friends do you have on Facebook? I have 1,000. You only have 12. Yeah. Yeah, you have zero. Good for you. How about greed? Is greed a pig in your life that has to be sent rushing into the waters to be drowned? Lust? So many unclean pigs that have to go and drown to get out of your life. Look at the next slide. Change is scary. But when you are broken or in bondage, and I hope you've got the point that Demon-possessed people are in bondage, but everybody outside of Christ is still in bondage. Did you get that? So we're all there. Change is scary. But when you are broken or in bondage, Jesus is who you need. You know, in the other text, it says that the man begged Jesus, can I go with you? Because once you've been set free, you don't want to leave Jesus aside. Because Jesus is the chain breaker, isn't he? He breaks all those things that would hold you in bondage. Look at the next slide. Jesus rest- restored shattered lives, but it costs them their pigs. I don't know if that's good English or not, but work with me on it, okay? Because it's in past tense, and then suddenly, you know, it, it bottom line is, is that Jesus heals shattered lives but it does cost you your pigs because he knows that if the pigs if the demons don't leave the area what's going to happen to these poor guys? They're coming back and he had to take care of it he had to get rid of the demons he had to get rid of the pigs but wasn't it worth it? Wasn't it worth it? I want to get real practical for a moment on how Jesus transforms your life when you're yielded to his word and to his spirit. It's, it's not an easy button, but it is simple. I, I, I want everybody to do this with me. Um, go put, put the next slide on. I want you to just do this. Head, put your, put your, you can do a fist. Head, heart, hands. Can we do that? Head, heart, hands. One more time. Head, heart, hands. See, when we come to the Word of God, we come and we say, what does this mean? What does this say? What does this say? And then we come to our heart and it says, what does this mean to me? Where I'm at, my circumstances in life, where I, 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 I am and my purpose, my identity, my self-worth. So head, heart, and then the hand part is, is what am I going to do about it? What am, I got, what am I going to do? And so no matter where we're at in our walk with Jesus, no matter where we're at in our life, we can always do head, heart, hand. Jesus, what are you telling me? What do I need to, to do? And will I do it? Do you see how simple the gospel message is? Do you see how simple transformation is? When we have the word of God, when we have the spirit, head, heart, hand. So when you, when you are, are reading through the word, and I hope you're in the word each and every day, because if you're trying to be spiritually fed just from me on Sunday morning, you're dying on the vine. You have to be in the word. And every time you sit down and you open your Bible, you're going to say, head, heart, hand. Head. Heart, hand. Jesus, what are you saying to me? What does your word mean? What does it mean to me personally? How it affects my life? How it changes my life? How it transforms my life? And will I do what you've asked me to do? That is the power of Jesus. Lawrence, you shared the other day that he had read in scripture that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's head, heart, hand. Can change a broken life, can change men who were in bondage but now are set free. And if you don't do head, heart, hand, you will get back into bondage. I guarantee it. Because the world is your enemy. Satan is your enemy. Your very flesh is your enemy. And so you have to be in the word of God. What did he say to me? What do I, how does this impact me? And what am I supposed to do? Boy, could you imagine what would happen to your life or the lives of all Christians everywhere that every day we said, head, heart, hands. God, what are you saying to me? How does this impact my life? And give me the strength to do it. Can you remember that? Head, heart, hands. Do it one more time with me. Head, heart, hands. Jesus will transform you. And we're about to go into a time of communion. And you know what's going to be on your mind? Lord, do I have any pigs in my life? You told me about it. I've been convicted about it. Now what am I going to do about it? Do you see how that worked? What pigs are you holding on to? Pettiness? Jealousy? Outbursts of anger? Selfishness? Gaining your self-worth from things that have no eternal value? What pig needs to be sent out and drowned of your life? And you know, the good news is, is Jesus didn't condemn the men. Hey, you're demon-possessed, you're in trouble with me. What did he do? He had compassion. And he touched them and healed them and cleansed them and set them on that new path. So when we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is a secret pig of mine. I keep this pig in my closet. I don't want anybody to know that I have this unclean thing in my life. He's going to say, good. Let's get rid of it. Let's send it out of your life. Do you love Jesus enough to love a black man? Do you love Jesus enough to love the migrant worker? Do you love Jesus enough to take care of the needy? Do you love Jesus enough to think about others first before yourself? Let me pray.